All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We've gathered to celebrate and to observe, to notice, to remember, to watch on this second Sunday of Advent. And we ask that you'd speak to us today as we come to your word and as we listen. May we hear your voice, may we respond, and may our lives be transformed. And may we be drawn closer, Heavenly Father, to your Son through your Spirit. We ask this, Lord, in your Son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. As I've said, today is the second Sunday of Advent. And with any day, any Sunday, not just today, there's a question I think we need to ask as we come and gather together. And since today is Advent, the question goes this way. What does the season of Advent have to offer my life? Or we could put differently, uh, why should I or any of us care about this ancient season? It's one of the older seasons that the church has observed throughout its life. And someone can easily say, I look at the pages of the New Testament and I see no place in there where we talk about celebrating Advent. So why is it that it matters to me? It's totally legitimate for you to come with those kinds of questions every single day. What we do here when we worship, when we gather, if it's empty and doesn't have purpose, well then we shouldn't do it. So what makes Advent worth our time? And I think this is an easy question to answer. Advent is worth our time because it rep represents and reflects our daily life. Because we're all waiting. And Advent is about waiting for the coming of Jesus. And we all wait. Now we wait. Some people, depending on what you believe, they're just waiting for death. Some people, it's some sort of religious experience or some idea of bliss. For, I'd imagine, all of us in this room, but maybe not necessarily. We're all waiting for Jesus' return or another version of that when we get to pass from this life and be in his presence. We're all waiting for something. And Advent is about waiting. So Advent is exactly what we do for all of our life. And what Advent does is it helps add colors to our waiting. It helps us think about important ideas as we wait. So today that color is justice. A hot topic word in some circles today, but no doubt a word and an idea that is deeply rooted in the New Testament. So if you want to take out your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 3, this is the passage we'll be looking at that's appointed for today. It's in Matthew 3. And in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along, that starts on page number 1375. Matthew chapter 3, 1375. So Matthew 3, 1 through 11. And as we look here, we're going to see about this idea of waiting for Jesus and how justice becomes a part of that conversation. So let's go ahead and take a look here at our path, passage from Matthew. So this is how the passage from Matthew opens up. In verse 1 of chapter 3 of Matthew. 
In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So before we go to verse 2, we need to stop here at verse 1. We meet a character that we mentioned or alluded to several weeks ago when we had his father's song as part of the service. So if you were here two weeks ago, we had what's called Christ the King Sunday, and we had the song of Zechariah, which is just a passage from Luke chapter 1. And in this song, Zechariah talks about the coming king, and he talks about the role that his new infant son who was just born will play. And that son is going to welcome the king, and he's going to prepare the path. So now we meet John the Baptist. But what we need to understand is Advent with John the Baptist is a season that's connected to Jesus' story, and Jesus' story is connected to the Jewish people. We can't have one without the other. So we must understand Israel's story. We must enter into it if we're going to understand the story of Advent. So this is how John continues. Or how Matthew continues telling us about John. So he introduces John to us and then he says, and saying, so this is what John says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So this is John speaking and he's quoting from Isaiah. So what John is doing is he's putting Jesus, he's plugging him right into that Isaiah passage we just read. He's saying that Isaiah passage and everything it's about is what Jesus is about. And from the beginning, it's about this one person. So we're going to understand and undercover what John is saying about Jesus. We need to, again, look at a couple of these verses from Isaiah. And the first one is Isaiah 11.1. 1. Right here, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now you might have noticed that this is actually in three of our four passages today, because Paul also quotes this in Romans. This passage is so important for the Jewish people. If you think about it, the Jewish people had this King David, and he had an important line or dynasty. His family was a line of kings. But eventually that line got cut off. The tree got cut off, and the roots are left there in the ground. But God had made a promise to David and his family that they would always sit on the, the throne over Jerusalem. So the Jewish people had this hope. And then Isaiah picks up on this hope and says, from the roots of Jesse's seed, Jesse is David's son, there will be a king who comes. And now this king is coming according to John. And then we get a glimpse of what this king's all about in verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. So we see that this king is about bringing righteous judgment and justice. For the Jewish people, this was important. They were very much in a position of needing to be liberated and to receive justice. They had been treated unfairly. But in the ancient world, it was always the case that kings came to bring justice. All the way back through the story of, if we look at just the, the narrative of Scripture, 
about kings, they have one role, and that's to make sure that the people they rule guard what's important to other people. Because justice is just this concept about everyone having what they need, which in the Bible's terms is called blessing. God blesses us with abundance to have what we need to enjoy life on earth. But as humans, we tend to not let others have what they need, and we tend to take more than what we need. And justice is simply acknowledging we all need different things, and there's more than enough to go around, but sometimes we need to let other people have what they need. And kings were important for making sure that came. So this king who's coming from the line of David is going to bring justice. And Jesus brings it not by what he sees and hears, not by his own opinions, but by his righteousness. By the fact that he comes from God and he alone knows what is just and good for the world. We think all the way back to the beginning, God knew what was good for humans, but we decided to rebel. And Jesus is going to come and he's going to, I'll show you again what it looks like to live a life of goodness and love and harmony. And he's going to bring that. When Jesus comes, he brings his righteous justice with his judgment. So justice is a concept that's popular today, especially if you put an adjective in front of it. And the two adjectives that I see a lot are social justice and then biblical justice. And I'm not going to dive into these ideas, but both of these concepts miss something important about justice. And that's what John is wanting to point out to us when he preaches. Justice is about repentance. Look what Luke continues to show us about John here in Matthew, or not Matthew, or not Luke, but Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, he continues to talk about John. He first, he's going to say, John's clothes were made of camel's hair. So he's describing John. And he he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all over Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So John comes and he's this weird prophet figure. He fits right into the prophets that if you ever read the prophet stories, they do wild, crazy, weird stuff. John's one of those guys. He's a prophet and he comes saying the kingdom of God is near. But what's the word that he attaches to it? That verb that's so important. Repent. Because the kingdom is coming, we need to prepare and watch by repenting. So this tells us that waiting for Jesus during Advent, and repentance is an important piece of that waiting and watching. So here we do always have repentance as part of our service. Every single week, we have our confession of sin. But repentance isn't just something we do on a weekly basis. It should be a daily basis. And what I'm not telling you is that that means you have to repent or you're in trouble. One repentance to follow Jesus is what we're asked to give. But it's this every single day decision that we're going to get up and we're going to choose to turn from our way to the way of Jesus. That's repentance, turning from one life to another. And we have to choose to do that every single day. Repentance is important to watching for Jesus. And we especially see this as we see John continue to interact with people. Here in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming, 
So now the religious leaders come onto the scene. Sadducees and Pharisees, two groups of religious leaders in Judaism. We could call them like political parties, but that's not quite what they're like. But they basically didn't get along unless they had a common enemy. And John was a threat to both groups, so they came together. And this is what John says when he sees them. They're coming to where he was baptized, and he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit, good fruit, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So these religious leaders come. They're supposed to represent the best of Israel. And they're supposed to lead the Jewish people into living the way of God. They're supposed to help bring that righteousness and that justice and that peace and that harmony that we see and hope for in the garden back to the people of the world. But instead, these religious leaders were using their position to benefit themselves. And John sees that and he says, you need to repent because you're not bringing justice. And the king is going to come and when he comes, he's going to bring justice and he said, you better watch out. You're going to be in trouble. Now this is really harsh. But that what they're doing requires harsh words. And so what John basically says to these leaders is, he says, you call yourself son of Abraham, which means that you're descendants deserving of the promises of Abraham. But John says, guess what? God could raise up stones that are the descendants of Abraham. Instead, he says, you're a brood of vipers. Now in the ancient world, they believed that vipers would actually, when they're in their mother's womb, they would eat their way out of their mother's womb and kill their mother. And so to call them a brood of vipers is to say you're children of vipers, meaning that you eat your parents. And so what John is saying is you are eating and devouring and destroying the very hope of Abraham. And so he says you better repent. Because I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat to the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John says, you better watch out. I'm telling you to repent, but the guy coming after me, he's going to purify you with fire. And if there's nothing but chaff, you will burn up. Because Jesus comes. And when he comes, his righteous justice, it either arouses repentance or it brings judgment. And this is what is always missed about justice. Justice starts with repentance. Because what the world sometimes or often always misses is that every single one of us plays a hand in the injustice in the world. None of us are innocent. We all have blood on our hands. We all need to repent 
of our own sin and brokenness and death and the powers of evil and the Satan that's over us. We need to repent from that and turn to Jesus. And that's when his justice is able to come to the world. Repentance is always with justice. And when Jesus comes, his righteous justice arouses repentance. When Jesus comes, he comes to bring judgment. And when he brings judgment, that means repentance and justice. When Jesus comes, his righteous justice arouses repentance. And this is when the big question comes, what does this mean for us? Tomorrow, we all go back to our regularly scheduled lives, whatever that looks like for each of us. But we all go back waiting for Jesus, and we know he's coming, and when he comes, his righteous justice arouses repentance. Justice is a popular conversation piece in culture today. But justice can only come with repentance. So we are people who get to begin that conversation as we repent and start to follow the way of Jesus and say the king is coming who will bring justice to all of the world because he will bring judgment to all of the world. And then we get a call on repentance. And this is what that ends up looking like. You know, we're not going to read from that passage from Romans, but Romans 15 is the last little bit of that book. And what Paul is saying to these two groups of Christians living in the city of Rome, some Jews, some Gentiles, not getting along, Paul's saying in that passage, hey Jews, the Gentiles are part of you. Hey Gentiles, the Jews are part of you. You need to get along. And that comes with repentance. Because each side needs to turn from their own sin and come together. And that's when justice starts to form. A community starts to build. That's when we sow the seeds of justice, when we repent. And the kingdom of God is about sowing the seeds of justice today. We know that there will not be full justice in the world until Jesus returns. So right now we're waiting And we're waiting to see that justice come. But today we get to sow the seeds of that justice. When we repent, when we acknowledge our own hand in injustice in the world, and we begin to work to see justice for those in need. It won't be a complete story, but we sow the seeds now. And we know that when Jesus comes, his righteous justice arouses repentance. So during this Advent season, may we watch for Jesus and may our watching begin with repentance. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We never like to be reminded of our need to repent. But we know that even in our best of attention, intentions, there's moments where we fail, where we put ourselves first, where we try to serve ourselves instead of other people. Maybe we don't even want to acknowledge it. Maybe we do it so often that we've forgotten that that's the motivation behind what we do. 
But we know, Jesus, that you want to arouse in us that repentance. So I ask today that you would show us those places in our life where we need to repent. The places that we haven't fully surrendered to you. And may we surrender them. May we open the doors for your justice to flow. And may we begin to sow those seeds of justice in the world. While we wait for your return, when you will bring back the harmony and the goodness of the garden and your blessing and your abundance on all people. May we live a life seeking that future now, Lord. We ask this, Heavenly Father, in your Son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.